everybody, my name is Remy. Welcome to the For the Love podcast with your host, Jen Hatmaker, my mom. She writes books and speaks to crowds, but she mostly loves talking to amazing people on this podcast every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, Jen Hatmaker here. Welcome to the For the Love podcast. We have a really great show today. <laughs> I know I say that every time, but you know, I always record these intros right after I finish the podcast. And so I'm like, my head is spinning and I'm tickled and I'm like, oh my gosh, I cannot wait. I immediately want to go to the internet and tell you, wait till you hear this come out. And today is no exception. Real quick, before I introduce today's guest, just a reminder that the For the Love podcast is coming to a few cities near you, maybe for some live events. I'm super excited about this, you guys. This show is so fun and I love the podcast so much. And I'm always just sitting here with some fascinating guest recording it. And we just finally decided we need to do this in front of our listeners. Let's do this in a live room. Let's record some amazing conversations with outstanding people. So we are coming to Atlanta and we are coming to Minneapolis. We are coming to Grand Rapids. We are coming to Portland and fab guests in every single city. So I want to see you. I want you to get your tickets. You can go to jenhatmaker.com under events, events, and make plans to join us. Date night, girls night out, come with your kids, um, whatever you want to do. But it's so fun to do this, to record episodes in front of you live. Cannot wait for it. Um, So jenhatmaker.com for all that. Okay. You probably know that we are in the middle of a series called For the Love of Podcasts, which... I just keep extending because I keep having other podcasts I want to talk about. And Laura and Amanda are like, well, I guess we can make this a bonus episode. I'm like, yeah. And so anyway, this series keeps getting longer because of the fascinating guests like today. So my guest today is someone who's asking a lot of important questions, but they run the gamut. Like, how do you stop being anxious? How do you cook the perfect meal? How do you decide to have a baby? Once you have that baby, how do you go on a family adventure without murdering the baby? Um, and on and on and on. So Charles Duig is a Pulitzer Prize winning reporter. He won for explanatory reporting, you guys, which you'll see is super relevant in a minute. He's New York Times bestselling author of an excellent book called The Power of Habit which covers the science of forming habits in a funny and smart way. Like he's, he's clever. He's also the author of Smarter, Faster, Better about the science of productivity. And specifically what we're going to talk about today is Charles is the host of a new podcast called How To, which is described as, and I love this, what if Dear Abby were an investigative reporter? <laughs> Isn't that awesome? What a great tagline. Um, Charles takes, here's how it works, and we'll unfold this, but he takes questions from listeners, real people who are like, I need to know how to do something. And then he hooks them up with an expert in that field. And then that person goes and tries out the new thing they've learned. And then we get to sit on sit in on all the action, like a fly on the wall. Lucky us. He interviews them. They come on the show. They walk through the process. It's smart. It's funny. It's informative. This is where podcasting to me shines like completely innovative format. Um, interesting people, real life stuff. I am a hundred percent here for it. Hey, guess what? You'll find out today. Um, all of a sudden Charles zigged a hard right with me when I was listening to him talk about how and why we either form bad habits or then 
produce good ones. And I was like, mm, this is making me think. And he's like, well, what's it making you think about? And I'm like, oh, no, 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 this isn't about me. And then he took me on a deep dive on one of my worst habits and why do I do it and what am I getting from it and gave me suggestions for overcoming it. So uh, you get about a 10 minute counseling session and find out what I'm bad at. Um, and, you know, I'm not somebody who loves to share my feelings a lot. So I was like, oh, this is happening. This is record. This is being recorded. Um, I guess this, the secret's out. So anyhow, that's in there too. So he's a, such a smart and interesting listener. He made me do it. He made me talk about it. That's how he does. So, oh, you're going to, you're going to be tickled today. And here's what I know for sure. You are going to be a new fan. Like I know that a bunch of you are going to run right over to his podcast and start downloading it as you should as you should. So I'm very glad to share my interesting, very lively, very sparkling conversation with the amazing host of the How To with Charles Duig podcast, the one and only Charles Duig. Charles, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's my absolute pleasure to have you on today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I can't wait to talk to you. I, uh, I am so fascinated by your work and what you do. So I filled in my listeners a little bit about who you are. Um, but as someone who has spent his career explaining things to people in a way they can understand, I've got to ask you a question, first of all, about you growing up. Like, were you that kid that asked a ton of questions? You had to be. I, I guess I was. I, I, I you should probably ask my parents to find out for sure. Yeah, I probably should. But um, but yeah, you know, I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I was a newspaper reporter for a long time, and now I'm a magazine reporter and an author, um, all nonfiction. And so, yeah, I spent a lot of time asking other people to explain things to me, and and luckily, many of them are kind enough to do so, which which gives me a chance to kind of better understand, you know. The world that we're living in. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And then you have this very special gift of parlaying what you discover into this very like manageable, fascinating way for the rest of us to kind of have a front row seat to what you're learning. Let me ask you this, like, what were your biggest questions about the world when you were a kid? Like, did, did you always have, did you have a sense that your path was going to sort of be toward journalism. And I know we would love to know how you went from a kid in school to a New York times investigative reporter. Cause that is a, you've, you've got a really interesting life. So can you sort of walk yeah. us through how you got here? Sure. Sure. So I grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, and, and, you know, in the 1970s and 1980s when before the internet, so there, there were, when you were in Albuquerque, you were really in Albuquerque. Yeah. Um, and I always just really enjoyed learning and really, really enjoyed reading. And then I ended up going to Yale for college. And so when I was at Yale, it kind of introduced me to this whole new world of, of, of sort of being interested in ideas. And I majored in intellectual history, which is mm -hmm. kind of, which is about tracing how ideas evolve over time and how those ideas have impact, how they change how people behave for the most part. And, and when I got out of um, Yale, my now wife and then girlfriend and I moved to Egypt for a little while. Okay. Um, which was great. She had, she'd actually grown up um, abroad. And so we wanted to, 
to spend some time in the Middle East and got a chance to do so. And then I went back to New Mexico and I started a company there. And from there, ended up going to Harvard Business School to get my MBA. And when I was at business school, you know, business school is two years long and you kind of have to make this decision halfway through. You go and you do a summer internship. And usually the internship is at a place you're going to end up working after you graduate from business school. It's kind of like an extended job tryout. And I went and I worked for this private equity firm. And every day I'd go in and they were really great people. Like I really loved working with them. But every day I'd go in and I'd start building these financial models for the properties that they were looking at. And and the best part of my day is I'd put on this this podcast, This American Life, right? right. And this was back before any like you know, back before anyone really knew it. Oh, totally. Before. That was OG podcasting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and that was the best part of my day. And so at the end of that summer, I kind of had to make this decision whether to go into into business or whether to go into journalism. And I just mm. felt like I just enjoyed journalism so much more. I enjoyed spending time with journalists more. And mm. so that's what I decided to do was to become a journalist. And it's it's worked out nicely for me. Yeah, it has. I think you chose the right path. So I'm curious for you because I find your specific line of work so interesting and creative. When, like, at what point did you decide, I need an outlet to tell people how to do these nagging little things that stump us sometimes? And and we're going to get into sort of some of your content. But did it immediately occur to you that a podcast was the right medium? Because you kind of had a lot of you had a lot of things at your disposal. You know, your your skill set is broad and you could pick s- several different media paths. What what led you down the podcast path? Well, so I wrote this book called um, The Power of Habit, right, about the science of habit formation. And one of the things that that when when that book came out and readers started emailing me, a lot of them would have like very straightforward questions like, I have this problem and I'm trying to fix it. And do yeah. you know, you know what the research says about it? Or do you have any advice on how to fix it? And one of the things that I felt like I saw a lot was that there was this gap between what experts know and are learning because they study this all the time and the availability of that knowledge, right? So Mm -hmm. so one of my favorite examples is procrastination. Procrastination is actually this thing that's been studied immensely by Mm -hmm. researchers, in part because researchers often are procrastinating themselves and they want to figure out how to stop. And so we know a lot about how procrastination works in the brain. We know how to fix it. But most of those insights are locked away in these scientific studies that most people don't get access to. Hmm. Or, or that are hard to access, right? Because yeah. they're just, it's not explained in a practical way. Yes, totally. And so I felt like there was this opportunity to take that knowledge and try and share it with people who, who really need it, who are hungering for it, particularly if we could do it in a way that's easy to consume, where we could tell stories, people's stories. And so that's, that's where the podcast, How To with Charles Duhigg, yeah. it's literally just that, like, like someone calls, emails us, they, they we have this email address, how to at Slate, that they can send questions yeah. to. And literally, that's where each episode starts. Is someone sends us a question and says, I want to figure out, I have a, I am struggling with X. Can you yeah. help me solve the problem? And from there, we find an expert to solve the problem. Okay, it's so creative. Did you come up with this format? Yeah, we so we 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 worked on it for a long time. I have a, a great producer named Derek John, and he and I kind of we did some, we did four pilots actually to try and figure out how the show sure. worked. And it was in in doing those pilots that we really figured out like this is you know this is what we need. This is how it works. This is why why some episodes are better than others. Yeah, and we're still learning that right. But it's it it's um. 
but yeah, it took us a little while actually for for such a surprisingly sort of like simple concept. Yeah. It actually took a little while to figure out how to do it. Oh, I don't doubt it. I because you've got several moving parts that aren't under your control. Yeah, um, so I can imagine. Like, what did you learn? Talk about the process. Like, what you've learned thus far. Um, how many? on average hours goes into one episode, because as you've mentioned, now you've got a lot going on. It's, you've put a lot of things in the soup pot. Um, and, and what have you sort of learned about what's working for your listeners? What, what, what hits and what doesn't? So the the number one thing is that we have to start with someone who has an actual problem. Like like in some of the early episodes, we would come up with a topic that we thought was interesting, uh, or we yes. would find an expert that we liked, and then we'd go look for someone who has that problem. Oh, got it. And those ones didn't work as well because mm. in truth, like we we the best episodes are things where people come to us and they say, This is a problem that I'm having, rather than us saying, like, we found a solution. Now let's go find someone uh, yeah. with that problem. And then and in terms of time, so so my my producer Derek, this is his full time job. He just all he does is make the show, okay. which is great. Um and then we have a production assistant who helps us out too, who's actually just starting today. Today's her first day. Nice. Um because we work with with Slate to make the show. Okay. And um and then for me, it's probably about I don't know ten hours a week. Yeah. Um. So it's I, I, on my part, it's you know I'm doing the interviews, but I'm also reacting to to first cuts and to scripts. Sure. Um. Which is a, a, I think a very productive way of doing it because um it just sort of speeds up the iteration. Oh yeah, which is to say nothing of all the hours in the field, sort of fleshing out the actual question the ex i mean it's you put a lot into each show this is a this is a some heavy lifting yeah it's been a good show it's been a great show and really you know derek who's the producer is really the like the guy who makes the show happen but um and in addition callers like or we call yeah. them callers the people who email us it's really people sending us you know these emails and how to it's late and saying yeah. like I have this problem. That's really what drives the show because oh, yeah. oftentimes they're they are so generous with their time and they have so many great questions. Well, I love it. So what I want my listeners to know is you've covered everything on um you know, of course it's how to, how to be funny, um, how to fire a bad employee, how to survive a zombie apocalypse. I mean, it is, it, you just absolutely run the gamut. So I'm yeah. curious how you decide what to cover because I cannot make heads or tails of any pattern, which I love. You kind of keep your listeners on their toes and you just never know what you're going to get. No, that's exactly right. I mean, I think that's kind of the goal is to like, like this week, the episode is on how to put down your phone, right? Like for people who mm. feel like they're struggling with their, they're sort of ignoring their phone, their, their smartphone in their pocket, or, or they want to help their kids learn how to manage their screen time. Um, and it, and then there was another one that we did about um, how to look like a superhero, where we talked to to Ryan Reynolds' trainer and asked yeah. him, like, how do you get how do you get these movie stars into shape before they go on camera because they look like they're in amazing shape? And I think that the thing that links them all together is two things. Number one, just that it's interesting to us, right? It yep. seems like a question we want to know the answer to. But then secondarily, are there actual, real sort of tactical hints or tips yeah. that we can share with people? And some of them we actually say like rule one, rule two, rule three yeah. on how to do this. And the reason we do that is because we want this to be not just kind of like a, you know, a nasal gaze, gazing exploration yeah. of life, but actual advice on how to do this thing that probably a lot of people have problems with. Totally. I love it. Maybe step one on that one is um, actually look like Ryan Reynolds. That's a good first yeah, step that on that right. one. Right, right. I think that's right.
Hey guys, Jen breaking into the show for a minute to tell you about one of our sponsors and their service that our family has absolutely come to rely on. It's care.com. So care.com is this easy and reliable way to find care for everyone in the family, literally when and wherever and however you need it. Care.com is the world's largest digital marketplace for care. We um, used care.com, by the way, for about five years when our kids were little and we needed a part-time nanny and we had a 100% good experience. Every single one that care sent us was fabulous and wonderful and now still a part of the fabric of our family. We use care for nannies, but whatever you need, housekeepers, they've got it babysitters, senior care, you guys, dog walkers, like whatever, that's what I'm saying. Full-time, part-time, anytime you need it, they have it. So care.com is giving our For the Love listeners a great deal. Uh, Their basic membership is free, but if you go to care.com slash for the love, you can save 30% on their premium membership, which gives you really wonderful tools. I mean, background checks and reference checks, qualifications, certifications, absolutely worth it. So you can go to care.com slash for the love. There you go. 30% off premium. Okay. Back to our show. So like kind of funneling down into your area of expertise, you're obviously, as you mentioned with your book, a guy who has studied the way humans develop new habits. You know, you've spent a lot of time and energy on this idea. So I, I obviously you cannot distill this down to a five minute answer on a podcast, but in general, how do people make lasting change? And have you seen um, any of your guests um, adapt to their new changes and keep up with them successfully? Yeah. So so when we talk about habits, there's a basic model at the core of how habits work, right? And we know this from from studies in the last 20 years of neurology and psychology that Every ha- we think of a habit as one thing, but a habit is actual actually three things. Hmm. There's a, a cue, which is like a trigger for an automatic behavior to start, okay. and then the routine, which is the behavior itself, and then finally a reward. And there and that reward is really important because that's how your brain learns to remember this pattern for the future right. and make it more and more automatic. And so one of the big things when it comes to change is forcing yourself to pay attention to what those cues and those rewards are, right? So if you're someone who struggles with procrastination or struggles with dieting or struggles with exercising, is to figure out, okay, what is triggering either this habit I want to change or what is a trigger that I can use in my environment to create a new habit that I want to encourage? And then what's the behavior? That's usually the easiest part. But then finally, what's the reward, right? Why am I doing this thing? Why am I procrastinating? Why am I I overeating at night? Or if it's a habit that I want to create, like exercise, you know, if if my cue is, for instance, leaving my shoes by my bed so I see them in the morning, or or meeting a friend at the gym on every Wednesday, mm-hmm. how do I reward myself after that exercise in order to make that behavior easier and easier and easier right. the more I do it? That's and great. so that's the that's the big insight from habit formation: is start by taking something that looks looks on the outside kind of simple, mm-hmm. 
hmm. and and breaking it down into its parts, where it becomes a little bit more complex. Hmm. But in that complexity, we learn how to get some control over it. What's something you've learned, like in that in that process? I mean, obviously, people are different, habits are different, environments are different. But in terms of cues and rewards, have you seen any patterns like sort of emerge? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so one of the things that we know overwhelmingly is that, for instance, boredom is uh, a a is oftentimes a cue yeah. for a great many um, habits. So, for instance, taking your phone out of your pocket, right, and glancing at it. Many people have have developed this almost automatic habit about looking at their phone when they feel a moment of boredom. And it's obvious why why you would do that, right? The reward is that your boredom is alleviated for a split second, usually not in a very like satisfying way. Usually you look at your phone and you don't have any new emails, you look at Instagram and then you're like, I don't well, why do I care? Cares, like, right. yeah, you don't even feel good about yourself when you do right. it. But the act of doing it offers a reward. And so the question then becomes if we want to change that habit, how do we find a new way to begin? exploring something, some other behavior that can deliver a similar reward. Mm -hmm. So for instance, you know, I think a lot of people I've spoken to, and this is something I've dealt with is when you have young kids, you're, you know, at dinner with your kids, or you're like trying to make conversation with them and they're like fighting with each other or whatever it is. And you pull your phone out of your pocket because it's just automatic because it's like a little bit of relief. So, so if you need that relief, but you don't want to get into the habit of ignoring your kids by looking at your phone, is there another behavior? you can engage in that gives you a sense of novelty, that gives you a sense of momentary distraction from from maybe fighting kids, which might just be a matter of asking them a new question, Hmm. right? Or telling them about your day or doing something new and novel and interesting in that moment, which is not your phone. And that becomes a new habit that overrides the old habit and gives you a better behavior to play with. Okay. I love this. Um, Digging under the why is always so helpful when when we're trying to figure yeah. out these sort of rote behaviors that we think we're locked into, but we're not. Um, change is absolutely possible. So my, my next question is, you know, if we are looking to launch our own investigation on how to do something new, other than emailing you, of course, and hoping you pick our question. Um, <laughs> now that you just have done this so many times and in so many different contexts, where would you tell folks to start? Where is the best place to learn something new? Where, how, how do we begin our own investigations? Well, I think the first thing to do is to try and really define what it is that you want to know. Right. Like, so oftentimes when people will reach out to us, very frequently they say, I have the, I have, my problem is X. And, and they're right. They know exactly what their problem is. Like one person, I'm just looking at the, the emails we've just gotten today. Like, um, someone, someone said, you know, I'm, I'm having trouble falling asleep at night and I, I'd like to know how to, how to, um, get to sleep more easily, how to sleep better. Another person actually just emailed and said, I'm having a problem ro- waking up in the morning. I, mm-hmm. I always hit my, my snooze alarm. So those people tend to know really what their problem is. But there's a lot of people who email us who say, for instance, like one guy who reached out to us, he said, I want to learn, I want to figure out how to sell my company to my employees. And when we started talking to him, what it turned out was really going on was that one of his employees was his daughter and, Uh and he didn't trust her as, as an owner. And so his real question was, I want to sell my company to people who aren't my daughter. Uh, and I want to figure out how to do that. I actually want to encourage my daughter to leave the firm, my, the family firm, because mm-hmm. I don't think it's a good match for her. 
And so, so that's, that's the first step is to figure out what is the problem. Really wanting. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Like what, what is really bothering you, right? Mm -hmm. Is it, is it the thing that it's easy to say to someone else or is there something deeper underneath that? Even with this, yeah, even with the sleeping example, like oftentimes when people say I have trouble falling asleep, what they're really saying is I have trouble managing my stress. Hmm, Can you teach right, me ways totally. to stop stressing when I'm laying in bed trying to fall asleep? And so getting at the root of what that problem really is, that's the first and most important step. Hmm. That's a really good, you've got my head spinning now on a couple of things I'm complaining about um, huh. that I think are a surface it's a surface complaint. I've got some stuff. Yeah, like what? Like what's an example? Well, yeah. I mean, first of all, you've got me on procrastination. Like I, why do I do, you're making me think, what is my reward for that? Like I, I can, I get my cues, I think, but I'm curious what I am getting out of that, that does not motivate me to change that more. I, 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 what is my reward? Yeah. Let's start by figuring out what the cue is. Like when do you find yourself, um, procrastinating generally when this is great this is going to be a little um council sesh for all my listeners i generally procrastinate when i feel overwhelmed so when all my irons are in the fire at once um or we are just we're firing off several different initiatives at once or i'm juggling a lot that is when all of a sudden i hit a this overwhelm this sense of overwhelm um and i just take my foot off the gas right Right. So I guess that, well, I don't know what my reward is there. Well, so let me ask you. So, so when that happens, when you like, you're feeling overwhelmed and what do you do? Like, what's the routine? Like, do you, do you start surfing the net? Do you like read a book or watch TV? How are you uh, procrastinating? Um, yeah, it, this is a tricky bit for my work because a large part of my work is housed on the internet. And so that's where I manage a really large and wonderful online community. Um, that is where I manage and interact with my book club community. Um, for a long time, it's where I wrote, did a lot of my writing. And so the internet is a double-edged sword for me. Um, because when I'm using it in a healthy way, I, it's great. I'm using it for my work. I'm, I'm serving my community well, but I also just reach for it to mentally check out of all the tasks that I feel I'm behind on, or I'm not sure what to do next. And I'm, I'm looking for an eject button. And do you, do you find like, are you going like, what websites are you going to when you're wasting time on the internet? It's generally social media. Okay. Okay. So so, and why, why do you think that is like, what do you, what is social media giving you? Hmm. Well, let's see. Let me think about what the real answer is. Um, probably in terms of the way I'm wired, what it seems to be giving me is this immediate sense of connection with my readers or with my listeners or with my book club members, whatever the thing is. Whereas the work and the labor behind all that is, it's always delayed. I mean, I, I wrote a book, it comes out a year and a half later. You right. understand how that works. Right. Um, or we're building something that doesn't have sort of communal results for another month or two. So I think for me, it's this sense of, okay, here everybody is here. Everybody's in here. And with this, I can kind of gather everybody around and we can have like a fun or an interesting conversation real quick. And it, 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 sort of scratches an itch for me to get to my people, mm -hmm. um, without the, um, tedious part of all the work. 
So, so I get, <laughs> that's a terribly honest answer. Yeah, no. So it sounds like what you're saying is that when you when you go on social media, you're getting an immediate reward, like an immediate piece of feedback, and mm-hmm. and that that feels that feels satisfying, right? It feels like it feels productive. It feels meaningful. It feels like a connection. And so, yes. so if we know that you have a desire for immediate um, rewards as opposed to delayed rewards, the question mm-hmm. is: Is there a way to take your work and and reshape it so that it gives you more immediate rewards rather than saying, well, I'm working on my book today and it's going to come out in a year and a half. Is there a way to to break that down into something that gives you a reward that's more immediate. And, and what I would suggest is probably if you were to take writing a book and you were to break it down to a task that you could do in the next 10 minutes, right? Which is like, yeah. well, I know that I need to start chapter one and to start chapter one, I need to like learn more about X, you know, fill in the blank. And then you say, okay, look, I'm going to learn more about, about, about fill in the blank, whatever it is I need to learn more about. I'm going to spend 10 minutes researching that. And as soon as I, I spend 10 minutes, I'm going to go and I'm going to cross it off my to-do list. And I'm going to let myself have a little bit of um, immediate gratification. Maybe that means mm. I'm going to take a walk. Maybe it means I'm going to spend five minutes on social media. Maybe it means I'm going to like take a shower, whatever it is, right? Something nice for you that's going to give you Im- that immediate feedback that you're craving. That's a way to do it. And since we know that so much of it is community-based, maybe it means that when you do that research for 10 or 20 minutes, whatever you've said you're going to do, you go and you talk to your husband or you talk to your kids or you call up a friend, you do something, or maybe, maybe you literally just text a friend and you, and you like trade two or three texts back and forth that like the, the key is to recognize that the rewards that you're seeking right now that are driving your procrastination are short-term immediate rewards. Can you somehow link the long-term work that you're doing to more short-term rewards? Cause you clearly want those and you need those and you should have those. Hmm. Oh, okay. Well, that is so interesting. And it's really just like a little channel switch. Um, just a different sort of feedback that might actually scratch the same edge of connection because I end up feeling lonely in my work a lot. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And part of it is, you know, I think that there's a natural kind of, particularly among Americans, there's this natural, um, masochistic tendency we have or a stoic tendency that we have to say like, well, you know, I know that I want this kind of reward, but I'm going to pretend like that's a bad reward. I'm going to, I'm going to pretend like I shouldn't give that to myself and, and just blame myself when I want it. But the truth of the matter is that like your brain is designed to want certain kinds of rewards. Mm -hmm. And so the best thing that you can do is you can acknowledge what your brain wants and then figure out some way to give you your brain what it wants in a way that pushes you to be more productive. You're not going to be able to extinguish the desire for community. You're not going to be able to extinguish the, the craving for kind of immediate immediate mm-hmm. com- feedback and community. But you can find a way to tie that need, that desire to something that's more useful for you and kind of almost um, like, like a hot wire a part of your brain that's pushing you to do things that you might not want to do otherwise. That's great for that. Thank you for all that. That's fantastic advice that I promise you I'm going to be thinking about the rest of the day. Oh, good. Please raise your hand if you love bra shopping. (laughs) Okay, hard pass. So thank goodness and three cheers for third love who has made for us 
bra shopping that is quick and painless and you don't even have to leave your house, which, you know, that's the way I want to live my life. So third love has used data points generated by millions of women to create more than 80 cup sizes. You got, you guys, 80, eight, zero, including half cup sizes to help you finally find your perfect fit. Their bras are the most comfortable I've ever worn. They have, well, memory foam cups, which are nice, but their straps are the greatest. They don't slip. They don't pinch. And Third Love also stands by their perfect fit promise. So they give you 60 days to wear your new bra. And if you don't love it, you can send it back and get a full refund. And they will wash it and donate that bra to a woman in need, which I love. Win, win, win. So Third Love knows that there really is a perfect bra for everyone. It exists. So right now they're offering my listeners 15% off your first order. So go to thirdlove.com slash for the love right now to finally find your perfect fitting bra and you'll get 15% off your entire first purchase. So it's thirdlove.com slash for the love for 15% off your first order today. All right, guys, back to our show. Let me ask you this back to your show. Thus far, do you have like a favorite or, or maybe even just most memorable episode or even one for your fans? Have you had an episode where your fans are like, whoa, that was, you just got tons of feedback on it? So people, there's a couple of them that people loved the episode about Ryan Reynolds, how to look like Ryan Reynolds, um, how to to look like a superhero. Um, I think, I think one that I loved is, you know, we talked to this guy, it's, it's an episode called, um, uh, how to deal with anxiety and, Mm. or how to stop being anxious. And, and this was a guy who was just a wonderful caller. Um, he's a, he's a former cop in Dallas and um, he had a daughter who passed away a couple of years ago mm-hmm. from a, a congenital birth defect. Yeah. And, and ever since she had passed away, he's been anxious all the time. Like he has these panic attacks. And mm-hmm. so, and he's been trying to figure out how, you know, multiple times a day, like when he, when he gets a text message, he has a panic attack because whenever he used mm-hmm. to get text messages, it was because his wife was texting him to say, something's happening with our daughter. She's having a wow. seizure. Mm-hmm. And so we, we paired him with an expert, a guy named Ben Michaelis, who's a wonderful um, psychologist, to talk about how do we manage anxiety? Like, what are the what do we know about how to how to overcome anxiety or to put anxiety in the right place so that it doesn't it doesn't interfere with our life, but it's something that we can control a little bit better. And I think it really helped him a lot. Wow. And it was just it was kind of a beautiful episode because it was just beautiful to listen to. There was another episode that I like a lot called How to Rob a Bank. Bank, where we talked to a guy who had robbed like 27 banks what? and he told oh us he, he told us like these are the rules of robbing a bank and it turns wow. out the rules are pretty pretty interesting like you you rob you should always rob banks near freeway entrances because that way it's easy to get away you oh. should um you should you know always um rob a bank where you know that uh where you can you can sort of walk to your car after robbing the bank and you don't have to run because wow. that way people will look for for people who are running they won't look for people who are walking so it's interesting 
<laughs> it is interesting. I mean, it is just really what a fun, what a fun show you have. And Thanks. you can it's just like a blank canvas and you're just doing whatever you want on it, which I I love that. I'm curious, like that's how podcasts are, which is why so many of us are choosing that medium. But what has the podcast given you in your journalist tool belt that takes you a step beyond or next door to writing? Like what, what, what muscles are you having to develop that maybe you hadn't used before, um, that you're enjoying? Like what's really enjoying? Well, I think it's a very different style of interviewing, right? Like I think that, that, um, when I'm interviewing for journalism, um, I'm very much sort of looking for very specific things because I can I can reorder the conversation when I write it. Yeah. And so what I need are I need specific details. I need anecdotes. Um, I can jump all over the place and ask different kinds of questions. But when I'm conducting an, uh, an interview for the podcast, it really has to be much more linear. Yeah. And so so I, I I'm 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 much more of a kind of a passenger in the conversation mm-hmm. rather than the driver because yep. I'm just trying to see where things go. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of fun. It's kind of crazy. It always feels like you're kind of standing on the edge of a cliff because you don't always know where it's going to go. You're not exactly exactly sure which shape it's going to take. That's exactly Um, right. But which is fun. I like that part of it. Um, I I wonder, what do you ultimately hope people take away from your show? Besides, obviously, their fancy new skills. Um, Is it a sense of like, what kind of how you just said, staying curious, trying new things? What what do you hope people are walking away with? Well, I hope what they're walking away with is I hope that they're walking away with is a sense that that almost any problem can find, that there's a solution to any problem. Right. Mm-hmm. And and we know this. We know that that any kind of change can be accomplished. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean it's easy and it doesn't mean it's immediate. But what we do know from tons and tons of studies is that there is oftentimes a, a set of strategies and knowledge out there that allows us to feel like we're in more control of what's going on in our life. Even things like depression, right? Where mm-hmm. I think when you're when you're in the grip of depression, people oftentimes describe it as a sense of helplessness and hopelessness and despair. And one of the things we know is that if people do certain things, actually they can control their depression a little bit more. Now that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that it's easy. It doesn't mean you can make it go away, but it does right. mean that you people can learn to manage their own depression. And what, for instance, we know that it, when people exercise, right, if they're feeling right. depressed and they begin exercising, that it gives them a, a it helps it helps alleviate the depression. And so I think exposing people to to studies and to the knowledge that's been amassed on particular topics, it's that's what I most hope people carry away mm-hmm. because it can be really, really powerful to feel like you have new tools in your toolkit for dealing with the problems that otherwise cannot seem somewhat too big sometimes to mm-hmm. take on. Absolutely. So what's next for the show? Any sneak peeks on topics we can look forward to or new books that you're working on? What's coming up for you? Well, I, hopefully, um, hopefully people will send us more problems that they're trying to, to help. So one of the things that we I really want to do is I want to, you know, we do a, we deal with a lot of problems from parenting, right? So like one sure. of the topics, one of the episodes we did is how to um, how to challenge your kids the right way, yeah. um, so that you raise resilient kids. And another one was about how to decide whether to have a baby. Um, and we're going to wow. be doing more on parenting, and we're going to be doing more on questions about like how do people sort of live better lives. 
I also really like business topics. So yeah. I mentioned, you know, we're doing this one about how to sell your your company to your employees. To not your daughter. Mm-hmm. Exactly, to not your daughter. But mm-hmm. like a big part of it is like we just kind of, we we really rely on listeners reaching out to us and saying, and I'll, I'll say the email address again because I'd love to encourage your folks yeah. to, to contact us. It's it's howto at slate.com. Yep. And and yeah, if people have problems and they contact us, we will try and find a, an expert to solve that problem and and then play their story on on the, the, the podcast with the expert and see if we can't make great. things better. It's so great. By now, you know that I genuinely love FabFitFun. It's a seasonal subscription box and it helps me discover new products galore. Um, FabFitFun is delivered four times a year with absolutely full size. I mean, I'm not talking about little samples, full size beauty, home, lifestyle, and fitness products together. The products in each box retail for at least more than $200. But you pay $49.99 a box. So the fall 2019 box is here. It's overflowing with goodies. But a few things really jumped out at me. Oh, this one was a good one. First of all, there's an adorable Kate Spade lunch tote. So cute. Both my girls are like, can I have that? I said no. Um, a plush fringe scarf in plaid, which you know me, that's all you see me in come fall and winter. Uh, and then this beautiful anthropology yoga mat, um, tons of fall goodness. And it, it always goes with the season. I like, for example, like in my summer box, I had a beautiful, uh, beach tote and I had tons of skincare products. In fact, Sydney, my daughter, was looking through the box, freaking out. She's like, mom, these are the nicest, most expensive brands out there. Like, why do you have this? <laughs> I'm like, fab fit fun. They curate it for me. So I don't even have to know what's up. I just know what's coming. So for our podcast listeners with the code FTL, you can get $10 off your first box. So to sign up, you're going to go to fabfitfun.com and then use the promo code F. TL to get $10 off your first box. I mean, you are not going to beat this. I'm telling you. So one more time, it's fabfitfun.com. Then use my code FTL to get $10 off your first box. Oh, you're going to be so happy when it comes. All right, everybody back to the show. Okay, we're going to wrap this up. This is, um, obviously on our show, we do everything in series and this is a series on podcasts. Um, oh, so this is what we're asking everybody in this series. Just kind of top of your head. Here's the first one. Um, which podcast, if you have time, are you listening to right now? Um, so I listen to this American life devotedly. Sure. Uh, and you know, actually I'm listening to this crazy podcast. I was listening to it right before you called, called the bright sessions. So it's kind of fun. Okay, we'll link over to that because that just seems like some good car ride listening for sure. It's pretty good. Okay, here's the next one. What's your favorite thing? Or I don't know if favorite's the right word. What's what's the most important or maybe most useful thing that you have learned from your work on how to? I think the most useful thing that I've learned is 
a big part of being successful is kind of just chilling out. <laughs> so like yeah. so when we talk, when we talk to parents um, or when we talk to parenting experts, a lot of their advice is to basically like relax and worry less. We're, we have an episode coming up called how to raise an adult. And no. the woman who called in, she has a son and her son does well in school. He's about to graduate from high school, but she's, she was kind of worried because he's not really passionate about anything. Okay. And so we brought on this this expert who used to be an admissions officer at Stanford. Oh, and yeah. and the, she was like, look, like some kids, they don't know what they want to do with their lives when they're 18 yeah. years old. And that's okay. Right? Sometimes it takes until they're like 25. And the best thing you can do is just – Give your kid the space they need. Like maybe he's maybe your kid shouldn't go to college right away. Maybe he should. Yeah. Maybe he should go into the military. Maybe he should go to community college. Yeah. There's a lot of options for them. But the best thing you can do is just relax oh and let gosh. him figure out who he is. And so I feel like a lot of the advice that we get is kind of like that. That's so great. Like we need to bottle that message and send it out to virtually every sector. Just yeah. everybody relax a little bit. Just I take it down right. a notch. I think it's right. Um, I absolutely receive that. Last question. Um, this is a question that we actually borrowed from an author that I love. And we ask every guest in every series this. And you can answer it however you want. Like some people give us really earnest and sincere answers. And some people give us like absurdity. So it, it can run the gamut. But here's the question. What is saving your life right now? What is saving my life right now? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think exercise, to be honest. Yeah. Well, what's, well, your, actually, what's your exercise? So I, I run a lot. I run a lot. But the other thing is, um, you know, me and my wife has, have started surfing a lot. So, so we live in New York and it's hard to surf in New York, but she was on sabbatical earlier this year. She's a biologist and a university professor. Mm. And we were living in Costa Rica and then living in California. And while we were there, we were surfing, um, almost every day wow. and, and it, it was wonderful. Um, so it was really, really nice. That's amazing. I love that answer. And gosh, I wish that I could talk to you longer. I'm so fascinated with your work and I cannot wait for my people to just flood your sites because they're going to. Can you just tell them really quickly where to find you? So you've sure, given the email absolutely. address, which we'll definitely put over on our um, transcript. And what else? And the best thing to do is um, my Twitter is just my name, C Duhig, C D U H I G G. Or if they go to my website, charlesduhig.com, they can sign up for a newsletter. We send out a, a once a month newsletter um, with like links to inter- interesting articles and to things that I've written in our podcast. So just on Twitter at C Duhig or on the web at charlesduhig.com. That's perfect. We'll have it linked, everybody. Um, every single thing, including the transcript, will be over at jenheimer.com. And we'll link over to all all of Charles' work and sites and podcasts and everything. Hey, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you. Talking to you. And I'm really so interested in the work that you're doing. And I find it innovative and important and useful and whimsical and all the things. And so keep going. Keep doing it. Thanks so much. Well, I really appreciate you having me on. It's a, I love your podcast. So it's really a, an honor to be on here. The honor is mine. Thanks, Charles. Thank you. Take care. I will be excited to hear how many of you head over to Charles's podcast and start a deep dive. Isn't that so interesting? What a great format. What a cool idea. 
I think this guy has really got something. Uh, I was happy to have him on. And now you know um, that I have a real procrastination problem when I feel overwhelmed by lonely tasks. So, and I'd rather just come straight to you and talk about something that can happen that very day. It's so weird because I'm an introvert, kind of textbook. So you would think that having as much alone time as I have, working kind of solo in most of the work that I do, that it would fuel me. And in some ways it does, but anyway, the sense of connection that other people get in regular jobs when they're around human people all the time, I don't get. And so I, I come and find you anyway. Uh, we'll have a, I, I mentioned it, but go to, go to jenhatmaker.com. We'll have all this over there for you. Um, including the transcript page, which we're happy to provide for you. I know a lot of you use that and love that. And we're glad to have that for you week in and week out. Don't forget also while you're at jenhatmaker.com, you can pick up tickets for the, for the love podcast live shows, um, coming in hot and really excited about these. Um, so that's under the events page. We are coming to Portland and Minneapolis and Grand Rapids and Atlanta and much more to come. We are cooking it up. You guys, we have some amazing guests in the works and those dates will be rolling out. So looking forward to that. Um, thanks guys for listening. Thanks for being here. More to come in the podcast series next week. Um, more interesting hosts and shows, and we just can't get enough of it all. So I'm happy to introduce you to some of these amazing folks. Hey guys, have a great week. That's it for today's show. Hope you enjoyed this chat. Be sure to subscribe to my mom's podcast and give it a thumbs up rating if you like it. From the whole Hatmaker family, I hope you have a great week and see you next time.